Welcome, everybody, to what we like to call a little show called Chasing It. Uh, we're delighted to be here. This is episode one. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. And we are going to be going through the NFL season with you all season long and hopefully for many seasons to come. Chase, it's always good to be with you. And for those that don't know, let's sort of explain how this sort of happened. Because I think it was like five years ago when I was doing the morning show at ESPN, we had you in when you were the Bears backup for a day. And you sort of sat in with us in the studio with me and Golick and Junior for the entire day. And I can tell right away that this was going to work. And, and we just sort of cultivated a friendship from, from then ever since, right? Yeah, that was 2018. We uh, we lost early in the playoffs, and, and I remember the divisional round in the playoffs. That was a, that was after the double doink play, by the way, which is brutal. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it. Uh, Cody Parkey's name will not come up. Oh, damn it! I just did. Sorry. Continue. Oh, you just said it. Come on. Uh, no, but listen, hey, uh, and and uh, I remember us just talking back and forth and being like, hey, you want to come guest host Golik and Wingo? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to come guest host. Golik and Wingo, because it was the hottest show at the time. So we came in, and for the entire day, uh, we talked football. And we talked on the show. You were kind enough to let me come in, sit on on every segment from start to beginning. That was really my first, uh, like, behind the curtains, behind the scenes on, like, how this sports media stuff works. And you've always been so gracious and kind, and we killed it. It was great, because literally I had played for, like, four of the divisional teams that were playing that day, so I had a lot of inside <laughs> information, which you love to have, and, and so that's what I gave. Yeah. But if you're not remembering, and I didn't tell you what this is, but you're not remembering, in 2010, okay, in the Super Bowl in Dallas, the Snow Bowl, oh, yeah. okay, do you, yeah, you yeah. don't remember this, but you obviously working at ESPN, you're this big wig at ESPN, it's the Trey Wingo love fest here and there, whatever. And I get your number somehow, and maybe we had been texting back and forth. It all goes back to 2010. And I, and I sent a text. I'm like, man, like there's this Rolling Stones ESPN Super Bowl party. Like, yeah. man, I got my boys with me. I got my girlfriend with me. Like, what are, like, like we're going to go. Let me just text Trey Wingo the night of, and we're going to get it. So I text you. And I don't know if I still have this text. I text you. And I'm like, hey, can you get me and four other dudes in into the ESPN <laughs> Super Bowl party. And you send two words to me, and all it says is, hell no. And I don't text you again for like another year. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that like, this guy's an asshole. Like, what are we talking about? Fast well, forward eight years later, and then, you know, you invite me up. So it's all good now. And now we have a show. Like, now we have a show. Like, come on, man. See, kids, so from being a dick, good things can happen. But I, I need to explain, like, those people guarded the ESPN Super Bowl party tickets like it was the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, okay? That's, that's how serious they took it. Like, I bent the rules once to get my son and oh my three God. of his buddies in for a graduation gift, and I'm like, I have expent all my goodwill. So uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I couldn't get you in then, but yeah, we'll yeah, make so up for it on the back like, end. Four dudes, heck no. Four dudes, maybe four girls. <laughs> yeah. Four dudes, absolutely not. Uh, but you know what? Shoot or shoot. And I respect that about you. Shoot or shoot. Hey, you took your shot. No until you ask. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. All right. So that from those humble beginnings uh, <laughs> is where we are now. And, and I got to say, I'm a little discombobulated as we, as we get started here. Bear with me because... I I tend I have a routine that I do every day. I, I make sure I get in the ocean every day. And I'd come back from traveling before we're taping the pod. And, and I, I went and just jumped in the ocean down at the end of the street. And I, I didn't really have anything to sort of dry bag anything. So I took my, my phones. I was listening to a podcast when I was over here. 
and I, and I put them on. I put it inside my hat because all my pockets were wet from jumping in the water. Put my hat on, freaking phone, the charger for the AirPods, AirPods falls in the ocean. Luckily, the buds saved. So now I'm spending the last hour before we came on to do this, Googling whether or not I can buy just the charger or I have to no. buy the other $350 AirPod no. set, AirPod Pros from Apple. So if I'm a little discombobulated, that's my out. I just want you to spend some that. extra money. <sighs> Gonna have to make some extra money, which is why we're doing Chasing It, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Exactly. Um, so we got a lot to talk about, including big news. Right before the start of the season, uh, the injury to Travis Kelsey hyperextended his knee in practice on Tuesday. Here's what we know right now before the kickoff opener. Uh, both Adam Schefter and Ian Rapport have said they believe the knee is intact. There's inflammation. They're going to wait till the swelling goes down to see what it looks like tomorrow. Uh, both reports are saying it's not. They're not sure if he's going to play on Thursday night in the opener against the Lions, but they don't believe. There's significant damage. And that's what we know at this time. That's, that's the best possible news here, right? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the best possible news. But it's still not good news. I mean, it's not career-ending. Yeah. It's not like it's season-ending. Um, from what we're hearing, right, it's, it's a lot of swelling in the knee. Don't know which knee it is, but Andy Reid comes in. We see the press conference, and we're like, oh, okay. And he so nonchalantly just says, hey, look, our best player, other than Patrick Mahomes, Hey, he just hyperextended his knee, no big deal. And it, he, he seemed to be, like, getting mad when people were asking follow-up questions to it. Like, hey, no, like, this is a huge deal. You guys have a lot of new receivers minus MVS, a lot of untested receivers, right? Um, and without Travis Kelsey, uh, who's, who's the – I mean, I love it. I don't follow it. Who's the backup tight end there? Noah Gray. Like, Duke, Noah Duke Gray. tight end Noah Gray. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're in fantasy, which I don't even play fantasy, but if you're in fantasy, go out and pick Noah Gray because – Patrick Mahomes, I think he's going to throw to the running backs quite a lot uh, in this game and tight ends. So uh, you, you never know. Yeah. It's not good news, though, especially if you're, if you're Patrick Mahomes. You're like, man, my day just got a lot tougher. Yeah, it does. And, you know, again, they still don't have Chris Jones. We'll get into that a little bit. But with all of this, like, uh, I, I want to I, I show – I want to let people in on secrets, right? I want to let people know how the media works because I have a couple of spies in Kansas City, Okay. And I texted one of my spies in Kansas City. He said, tell me what you know. And this is what he texted me. He said, I'm, I'm leaving this person's name out for reasons that will come clear soon. He said, non-contact but walked off. I tend to think MRI notes will go from Veach to Rappaport and then parentheses the usual. So the people that don't know what he's saying is, whatever the MRI is, General Manager Brett Veach will subsequently hand this information off to NFL Network Insider Ian Rappaport, and then he said, and maybe not if it's bad. And then, then hours later, yeah, about an hour later, a tweet comes up from Ian Rappaport where it says, uh, it doesn't look like the knee is bad. It looks like things are going to be okay. They're waiting the MRI. Like, my guy called it to a T how this was going to play out, and he nailed it. And, and I, text you, I text you that text. I was like, yo, right when it came out, like a minute, and you text me back, goes, that's exactly what my source said. If it was good, Ian Rappaport would get it. So, world, it looks like it's going to be good. Yeah, it looks like it's okay. And Schefter subsequently treated, tweeted they believe the knee is intact, so that, that's a good thing. But let's start here, right? Because we're starting the season with a Thursday night opener against the Lions. The Chiefs, I still think, are going to win a little easier than people think, even if Kelsey isn't there. But with all these little things, right? Because you know this, you played in enough teams and enough teams that made the postseason. You play a lot of playoff games every year. It does become a war of attrition. 
with the way this season is starting, with Chris Jones's contract in no way, shape, or form looking like the holdout situation is anywhere near settlement, with a potential injury to Travis Kelsey that might keep him out for a while, what is your con- level of concern about the Chiefs maintaining the top spot in not only the AFC, but in the NFL in general? Well, I don't think it's too much of a concern. And why? Because Patrick Mahomes. That's the obvious yeah. reason. Patrick Mahomes, he could be playing on one leg. He's still the best quarterback in the National Which he did, game. by the way. Won a yes, Super Bowl with did. one leg. Exactly why I said it. Yeah. And so you look at it, and, and to me, it's two separate ends of the equation, right? You have the Travis Kelsey injury, which just happened. He's probably not going to play on Thursday night. They're still going to win. I think a couple weeks he'll be back. Fine. Keep it rolling. Keep it moving. Another 1,000-yard receiving season. Another 10-plus touchdown catches seasons. He's going to go down as the greatest tight end of all time. Mm-hmm. And then you take Chris Jones's equation, right? You've got to look at it two separate sides. The Chris Jones equation is interesting to me because what I've heard, and, and you're the insider here, but I've heard he wants like Aaron Donald money. He's not at that level, okay? But what you do He's lose close. with him is 15 and a half sacks, okay? The next closest person on the Chiefs with the amount of sacks, six sacks, right? So you lose those sacks, you lose rushing the passer. Their defensive line without Chris Jones is not as vaunted as some people would like. So my level of concern for him is much more than it is for Travis Kelsey. Like Chris Jones, yeah. you want your money. He tweeted, he talked, hey, week eight, whatever, whatever it is. That's great and all, but like, dude, come on back. Like you heard Travis Kelsey's plea. It's funny too, right? Thanks, Travis Kelsey's plea yeah. to him. Like, hey, dude, yeah. we need you. Like, please come back. And if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm Andy Reid, they're, they're saying all the right things to the media. Hey, you, we got to play the Lions with who's here, yada, 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 whatever. They are wanting him back. Yeah. By the way, one thing that's not really talked about enough in this whole Chris Jones contract, uh, somebody in Kansas City tweeted this out this summer. And it was, uh, he's, Chris Jones is represented by the Katz brothers, okay? And here's the list of every other player on an active NFL roster at the time this tweet came out represented according to NFLPA uh, records by the Katz brothers. Chris Jones, tight end Jody Fortson of the Chiefs, who's on injured reserve. Uh, he's gone for the season, I believe. Uh, Keith Kirkwood, Olatomy Zacchaeus in Philadelphia, wide receiver. Former Chiefs wide receiver Demarcus Robinson. Former Chiefs wide receiver Byron Pringle. Uh, cornerback Chandon Sullivan and running back Jordan Mason. Why do I bring this up? Because that's who? a who's who of... Yeah, exactly. In other words, who? this yeah. would be... Let, let's say all of these players were on a plane. It would be described as Chris Jones and others perished in plane crash. Okay? Now, I'm not condoning or wanting anything to happen. What I'm saying is this is Chris Jones and generic dudes. Okay? So for the Katz brothers, and this, this is something that is not talked about enough, this is their chance to make a big payday with their best client. And it's also a chance... For them to say, hey, look, if we can get this for Chris Jones, think what we can do for you. So it's a recruiting process for the agents as much as it is a deal to get Chris Jones money. And you have to factor that in to this entire situation. Oh, there's no doubt about it. These agents are trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get the largest defensive contract in NFL history. Is it going to happen? I don't know. But at at what point do you – are you hurting the player? Are you hurting the team? Like, dude, like, listen – and I'm all for it, right? Played 14 years in the NFL and seen a lot of people have holdouts. Now they're called hold-ins, whatever you want to call it. But at whatever, the end of the day, yeah. the dude has to get paid, okay? 
But it, it get, it's getting to a point, right? You, you see some of these big-name contracts, like Nick Bosa, I think, is going to sign pretty soon. Um, and and it, just, it seems like they're waiting on each other to see who's who. Yeah. And, of course, the Cats, I mean, this is agents. Like, 99% of agents out there, 98% are sort of slime bags, right? They're all in it for them. <laughs> what have you done for me lately? My agent, however, yeah. is not. Okay. He's the 2%? He's the 2% is what you're saying? He's the 2%. Okay, good to know. Same with mine, but it's a different feel. Jimmy, yeah. love you. Love you. <laughs> All right, so, so again, look, and, and look I, I do believe Chris Jones is the third best player on the Chiefs. Don't get me wrong. I think he's the third best, best player behind Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. He was the, the only other Chief in the top ten. He was number ten. But I'm, I, whether it's fair or unfair, right or wrong, I'm sure there's a part of the Chiefs organization that is saying, hey, we want Chris Jones, we want him here, but we just want a Super Bowl where our defense really, our best defensive player, Chris Jones, didn't do a lot, and we still gave Patrick Mahomes a chance to win, and he took us over the threshold. Uh, now, all that being said, they don't get there without Chris Jones in the AFC Championship game. He had well, two sacks, including yeah. the one on the final drive with Joe Burrow that set up the potential for the game-winning field goal, aided by the roughing the passer penalty. So I, I want Chris Jones to get paid, but I wonder if there's a little bit, a little bit with the Chiefs that says, okay, I get it, we want you here, but we just did that, and there wasn't a real big impact. Yeah, but I do think there's I, – I, I, I tend to disagree with that. And here's why I say, That's like, okay. a, a, a good player, right? A good player like Chris Jones is not great just player. a He's good a great player. player. Yeah, great player, right. There you go. He's a great yeah. player, but not only on the team, in the National Football League. Like, he is up top two, three guys at his position in all of football. So there, there's that, but also, like, you have Patrick Mahomes, right? And a lot of people don't talk about this is what Chris Jones brings from a leadership perspective. Okay, and I know it's 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 much bigger than a lot of people may realize because it's in the locker room every yeah. single day. You need this guy. This guy is the guy who everyone is looking at on defense. Let's be real. Like the, the, yeah. it is the guy, and he's not out there on Thursday night primetime football, de, 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 hanging the banner. Right, it's a hang yeah. the banner game. That he's not out there. Like to him, it can't feel good. And to the Chiefs, maybe internally they're thinking we don't want to pay him this money. They better pay him this money because. He yeah. is the cog that makes the whole ship run on that defense. No, you're 100% right. There's nobody else. And with all due respect to Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, who have played really well, and Bolton's going to be an unbelievable player. He's the next test case for the M-I-Z, baby. Let's go. Paid. Yeah, exactly. Mizzou grad. Wearing number 32, fine. I'll allow it. I just got comfortable with 54, and then he switches to 32. <laughs> I know. Uh, but no, Chris, Chris Jones is the one guy. If you're the offensive coordinator of an opposing team that's playing the Chiefs, the first guy you say is, how do we stop Chris Jones? That's, that's just the way it is. So yeah. we'll see what happens with that and everything with Kelsey going forward. Speaking of stopping uh, Chris Jones and the Chiefs, one team that has had a miserable run at trying to do that is the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos have lost 14 straight games to the Kansas City Chiefs. And, and for all the things we can talk about with Mahomes, his greatest record, he is he has yet to lose a road division game. As you knew from those games with the Chargers the last couple of years, the Chiefs have never lost a road division game with Patrick Mahomes under center. Now, obviously, this is a huge reset year for the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton. And Sean Payton walked into that, that Denver organization, that building, and basically said, there's a new sheriff in town, and it's me. And, and he sort of let Russell Wilson know in no uncertain terms, I'm the dude, you do how I say we do things. What do you think that impact is going to be on Russell Wilson? 
Well, it's, it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to blow up in his face, right, and he's going to yeah. lose the team, he's going to lose Russell, but I tend to uh, side with Sean Payton here. Russ had his day in the sun last year. He brought in all these guys, all these people. He, he made it about himself. He was the first person to tell you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. He was like, ah, it was yeah. probably too much, right? He had his own office. Sean comes in and said, hey, look, like, I, I mean, I played for Sean Payton for five years, and the number one thing – that I learned about Sean Payton is his, well, there's two. Number one, there's no BS with him. He is very yeah. black and white. There's no gray. There's no anything else, okay? And the number two thing is it's all about the details, right? Like, Sean's probably saying this to the outside world, right? And the media's getting it and understanding it. But I guarantee you he's in that room uh, and he's in that meeting room with, with Russell. Like, hey, we need to get on the same page because you're our best bet. Yeah, I know they went out and gave Jared Siddham a two-year, $10 million deal, five-year, which is excellent. Excellent backup money. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not Russell Wilson. I, I think Russell, from everything I'm hearing, like on the inside, like it's going to be the guy. Like Joe Lombardi, offensive coordinator. For the Denver Broncos. He was with us the past two years, and he, he likes them. He likes them. He really does, and he really thinks that, that they're going to be good. And, and people don't realize, like, okay, it's Russ. He's going to do what he does. He's 15 pounds lighter, yada, 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 whatever. I don't care about that. What I do care about is Sean Payton game planning, okay? And this offense changes on a week-to-week basis. So last year, they were just out there running the same plays over and over. Like, they're running slants, flats goes like all that Sean Payton has a different offense every single week for for their defense for the opposing defense and so that is what makes that offense so great obviously the schematics are great but I do think if Russ really buys in this could be a dangerous team moving forward okay now that's the most interesting thing to me because I agree with you I think Sean Payton and the way he's handled Russell is the best thing for Russell and I don't know the answer to this question and I tend to give players the benefit of the doubt but Russell's won a Super Bowl, made a ton of money, got that ridiculous contract renegotiated in 2019 out of the blue in April of that year because he knew Drew Locke was someone that the Seahawks were very interested in at that time, another Missouri quarterback. And oh, by the way, that's why he was included in the deal uh, when they sent Russell because they thought he was going to be the guy, not Geno Smith. Those are the true things. I'm not telling you anything that's incorrect. That's what they wanted, and Geno just outplayed him. My point is, where, where do we think Russell is in wanting to go through this again and wanting to be that guy? You know, he, he's, he's got a celebrity wife. Like, my question is not a, isn't whether or not Sean can get the best out of Russell. My question is, what does Russell want at this point in his life? What does he want? Well, he, he better hurry up and figure that out. I mean, that's, that's, that's for him to figure out. Does he want to be the celebrity? Does he want to be uh, on a Hollywood uh, famous star, uh, like star, star walk? Does he want to star on the Hollywood Boulevard? Like, what does he want? Or does he want to go and compete and win Super Bowls? Because with their defense, I'm not saying their offense, with their defense, they can compete. And now it's a tough yeah. division, right? It's a tough conference. But if they make the playoffs... I think there's a shot. I mean, even to have a home playoff game, when you're going to Denver in January, I mean, that's, that's a tough place to play. But with, with Russ, it, it's, all about, it's all about, dude, like, what do you, what do you want? Like, it, it's all up to you, yeah. right? Everyone talks about all these things, about how, you know, he has all these massage therapists, these, uh, you know, emotional coaches, all, all these things. That's great. But in the heart of hearts, in your heart, yeah, like, what do you want? 
Like, what do you want to be remembered as? Do you remember it as a guy that was politicking and was getting to go to cool events with Sierra, which is awesome. You can, you can be the same, but like, I think that's why I think, I think for him, this is a really, really, really important season for him. And I think that's why he has bought in. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of uh, Russell Wilson and the guy that's coaching him, obviously you know Sean Payton very well. What we want to do on this show is bring in guests uh, and get their insights and backgrounds as well. And if anybody knows Sean Payton more than you, there might be one guy I can think of, maybe one, who might know Sean Payton a little bit more than you. And that was your teammate for a few years. Joining us on the first episode of Chasing is the man who, when he retired... Had every single passing record known to man until Tom Brady decided to play till he's 58. Drew Brees is here. Drew, what's up, buddy? Yeah, what's going on? Uh, are you are you mad at Tom for doing that? Are you mad at Tom at all for that? No. Look, if my right shoulder was still working, I would have kept playing too. Yeah. Screw you, Brady. Screw you. Uh, that's that's all right. It took him 23 years. <laughs> so so Chase. Take us through the take us through the background of your your guys' relationship because you've told me before Drew was the guy that said, "Hey, this is how it's done." Yeah, no, for sure. Listen, I was a undrafted free agent, went to Washington uh, in 2009, and I've told this story before, but I'll tell it in a short version of it. Is I pretty much got to play as a fourth quarterback, only played like two quarters in preseason of 2009. Jim Zorn was a head coach then, and. I ended up throwing three touchdowns, okay? So I was like, oh, I got a chance to make the team. I got a chance to make the team. It was Jason Campbell, Todd Collins, for all you old school people out there, and it was Colt Brennan, rest in peace, and I was the fourth, okay? And so cut down day comes, hey, you're cut. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like what is happening? What in the world is is going on? And I get called into Jim Zorn's office, going to sign with practice squad. My phone rings. It's a 504 area code, and I'm like, that's weird. Don't answer it. I don't answer it, okay? He calls again. It's Sean Payton. Pick it up. Hey, Chase, walk out of the office. I'm like, what do you mean walk out of the office? Like, I want to play football. Like, does not give me anything. My agent didn't tell me nothing. I walk out. I get on the phone with him, and he's like, hey, listen, the first thing he says, okay, Sean Payton, is come down to New Orleans and learn from Drew Brees. And I was like, sold, done, get me out of here. So I go down there, 2009, First year, it's Drew, it's Mark Brunel. We're going to tell some stories about that because they didn't treat me the best <laughs> my rookie year. But anyway, I ended up uh, third string quarterback that year. 2010, I won the backup job in 11-12. Went back there in 17. And by the way, we're neighbors. We're right down the street from each other. We've lived in Del Mar together. We, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice little effort. But yeah, I mean, listen, Drew was the guy from the get-go that showed me how to live, eat, breathe, sleep quarterback play. I thought I knew a lot, but after spending time with him, that's, I owe a lot to, to my career because of, of this guy right here. All right, so I, I have two initial thoughts. First of all, would kids today ever take that phone call? It's like, I don't know this number. Click, send it to voicemail, right? <laughs> Some, somebody's career probably ended because oh, it's a robocall. I don't want to talk to that dude. Forget that. Yes. And number two, Drew, did you know that you were the selling point to get him? Did Sean enlighten you with that information? No, he didn't. He was uh, he was he was pimping me out, obviously. But yeah, you know, come down, hang out with Breeze. He, he's got an extra room in his house. You can stay with him too. Huh? Oh my no, gosh! Um, no, that's 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 a big compliment. Um, I you know he probably figured two uh, two Texas two six foot under Texas high school football you know kids 
uh, getting together in the same quarterback room might might be fruitful, you know. So, so when did you know that that uh, uh, our our guy Chase had a chance to be what Sean thought he could be and what you wanted him to be? Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, sometimes you just win. And that's been Chase's entire career. And uh, there's also guys that just play with a little chip on their shoulder, and that's Chase as well, <laughs> you know. I think it doesn't take you long to, to just do a little bit of research and see the success Chase has had wherever he's been throughout his entire career, from his high school career to being someone under-recruited, ends up in Missouri, you know, completely turns that program around. Um you know, they're almost play for a national championship. He almost with the Heisman. You know, and then of course because he's, you know, not the prototypical looking quarterback. In fact, he's probably the prototypical looking high school nose guard. He uh, he's not drafted. You know, he ends up being undrafted free agent, <laughs> and, which is tough. That's tough sledding, especially for quarterback. You know, because you're going to show up at an NFL training camp and everybody's going to look at you and they're not going to give you an opportunity. You know, to his point, he wasn't really much of that in Washington. And, you know, it took a guy like Sean Payton to, to say, hey, this is exactly the kind of guy that, that I want to, to be able to develop and cultivate and can bring lots of this team. And um, I think those, you know, four years during that event and one extra year, so five years that Chase and I spent together, um, you know, I besides turning him into a barista, a very good barista, like he can make a killer cup of coffee, um, and he brought – the crispy donuts every Friday, like just the right temperature, like melt in your mouth. Like besides him doing an excellent job with those things, uh, he turned into a pretty good quarterback too. Drew, obviously Sean Payton is getting a lot of attention uh, going into his first year with the Denver Broncos. And Chase and I were having this discussion. And I think Chase and I agree on the fact that Sean can probably be the best thing for Russell Wilson at this point in his career. The question I have, and and well, we'll get to that later. What what are your what are your thoughts on how Sean is going to turn this thing around, not only for the team but also for Russell after the season we saw last year? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, for me, in what I observed and was able to be a part of with Sean for 15 years in New Orleans, was this guy how to build the foundation for an organization. Um, he's a culture builder. Um, every decision that he made, it's not just, hey, what type of talent level does this player have? What type of productivity would they bring to us on the field? But who is the player in the locker room? How is he going to be amongst teammates? What type of leadership qualities do they have? And so, and this isn't for people on the team. Like, this is everybody in the building, right? From the marketing department to the accounting department, like, to ownership, you name it. It's what can you to help this team be successful? And he expects everybody to do their job, uh, and he expects excellence. And I think in, in, in so doing that, brings out the best of everybody. Um, but I think I woke up every day with a great sense of responsibility to him, you know, feeling like I need to prove him right. He believed in me. He was a huge reason why I was in the world. Um, and so I was forever indebted. But there's no question that he knows how to coach football. He knows how to coach offense. He knows how to coach the quarterback position. And I think he is the guy for Wilson at this point in his career. You know, most guys, especially nowadays, when you look at, you know, call, call it year 
10 to year 18. I mean, like that's the prime of your career as a quarterback. Right. You know, your physical skills are still at, you know, very high level. And you combine that now with the experience that you have, the amount of snaps you have under your belt, games you have under your belt, you know, everything that you've been able to kind of see and witness um, and process. And you couple those two together, like that is your prime. And so here's Russell Wilson in the prime of his career with one of the greatest football coaches that he could ask for. I mean, the reason I ask is I don't know if you saw this thing that came out recently. It was on Bleacher Report's Instagram report, and I'm going to paraphrase for the viewing audience at home. He basically said to, to Russell, "What are you? F- will you effing stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. Like this is the definition of tough love for a guy who's had a lot of accomplishments in the NFL outside of a disastrous 2022 in Denver." Yeah, he doesn't uh, mince words. Yeah. Sean, on many occasions, <laughs> I've him. look, look, here, here's Sean, too. Is Sean has an unbelievable ability to, like, walk into a room, like, crack a few jokes, you know, like, get everybody laughing, having a good time, and then he'll walk out of the room, and you'll sit oh there and go, oh, was he just busting my balls? <laughs> right? Like, was he, like, was he challenging me? Right? Yeah, you know, like like you just had a good time laughing it up with the guys on the team, whatever else, and you're like, well, wait a minute, I think he just took a shot at me, <laughs> you know. So that's that's one of his, I think, great strengths and great traits as as a leader is he knows how to push buttons, but he does it in a way that it's not necessarily always just yeah. you know direct. He can be very direct at times, but he'll just kind of say a few things, make you laugh, then all of a sudden you realize, man, he was. He was challenging me a little bit, and now I got to step up and I got to, you know, show him that, you know, I can get that done. Or I'm capable. Of that. So uh, he's also one who's will be the first one to tell you, man, don't make distractions, right? The main thing, the main thing. And I'm going to win football games. I'm going to get the best out of you. And then if everybody buys it, that's exactly what happened. So you're like Chase. You think it's it's all going to work? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, they're going to be a heck of a lot better than they were last year. Hard not to. <laughs> Um, look, I look. They are they are talented on defense. They're really talented on defense. Yeah. Um, offensively, they got weapons. And now they retool the offensive line. I mean, that, that that's always look. When you stay healthy. That's always the question, right? But then when you think about the offensive line, it's like it's like man, it's continuity. It's um, you know, how well we run the football, and then what does that do for us in the passing game? Um, look, I love the system. I, I played in that system for 15 years. I think that system equips quarterback with the ability to, like, get in and out of, you know, get into good plays from bad plays, you know, put the offense in the best position to succeed. You as a quarterback have a lot on your shoulders. Um, you have the ability to, and, you know, you feel really empowered. Yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest thing, Drew, right? Like, when I spent four years there, came back for the fifth year, um, that was one thing, and you, you hit it right on, is like, hey, the, it, it's so hard to explain, right, to people that don't play and are not in a team meeting with Sean Payton, is that he has the ability to motivate a team in a way that I've unlike seen anyone else ever do, and that includes Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, all these big-time head coaches, and the thing that he does it and how he does it is – he almost like slights you, like at least to me, right? Like I remember my first or second year when I'm, I'm battling Patrick Ramsey for the backup quarterback job, 
And he would come up to me, and you know, we'd be getting even reps. And I would go up to you even. I'd be like, hey, like, who's winning the battle? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? And you were like, I'm not saying anything at all. Like, you just go battle it out. But he would always say, like, hey, like, look, hey, nice throw on that glance route. But, you know, it, it just it, it, it dropped down. Like, is your arm getting, like, not as strong? Is it not as, as – are you, do you need to work out more? Do you need to do the breeze? Are you weak and a loser, Chase? Is that's, that what he's asking? <laughs> and so you'd leave the conversation. You would leave the conversation thinking, like, man, like, is that, does that mean I'm going to be, like, third string? And then, then you think about it later. You're like, hold up. No. Screw this guy. Like, I'm going to prove him wrong. And I think that's what he does is he unites the team in that aspect. And Joe wanted to ask, so you, you recently visited, right, the training camp with Joe Lombardi. You sat in with the meetings and, and saw Sean. Like, what was your biggest takeaway, right, from what you've seen, um, the culture and everything that's going on right now uh, in Denver? Yeah, I was there for one practice, but it certainly felt like it was a well-oiled machine, you know, already. And obviously, they're just – they were in the dog days of two days. Um, they were about to scrimmage the Rams, actually. But, man, it was, a, it was a fast, crisp practice. And I'm sitting there looking at the call sheet, and it's, you know, it's all kind of coming back, you know. Um, but, you know, you start looking around, you start looking at the pieces they have, and, man, they got a lot of, they got a lot of pieces. Um, now they played in top division, so you think about their ability to fast Kansas City and to battle it out with the starters. Look, they're, they're, poised, they're poised to be a playoff team and beyond. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was really, I was really impressed because I also felt like, you know, beyond just the team, right, and beyond just the football, man, he's got these are little things, but like everything about the cafeteria, right, and how they're serving food and and, and like the nutrition program for the uh, players, and then how the training room is operated. Like these are all things that you know most people might overlook, and yet I. Oh, Sean Payton, like stepping into a building, it's not just about the football team. It's about all these other ancillary, you know, support systems that are in place that are going to help equip these guys to be the best they can be and help us go win the championship, right? Know how he's micromanaging all these things and how he's just putting his little touch on everything. And he's brought some people into that. All right. That's enough about Sean Payton. Great. Hope it works out. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care anymore. I want to talk about you guys, like because to me, I, I think the relationship between a quarterback and the backup matters, right? I, I think that there has to be something about the relationship that makes you guys comfortable with each other that allows this thing to be successful. So, Chase, you start. What was it about your relationship with Drew that made you guys think this is going to be okay? Well, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I went in in the first year, you, you know, uh, I go into the building, I'm the third quarterback, and as you well know, Drew, right, you're walking in for the first time seeing this offense, especially as an undrafted rookie, when our play calls at Missouri were like black, gold, baseball right. Like it was, and now it's like, I, I don't even want to say play call because I honestly forgot because I've just completely put it out of my mind because I've been in that system for eight years, but it was really hard to pick up. You know it's what like I mean? PTSD. Yeah, it, it really is. It's like PTSD because it was like so yeah. much studying. And, and as you know, right, it changes. The offense changes from week to week. And so when I was there, I think that Drew really took me under his wing. And, 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 and people thought I was crazy at the time and it was well talked about. But, like, I would, I would just try to compete with Drew. Like, hey, like, if, if, if I can't do it, um, then that's fine. If I'm, not, I'm obviously not going to be the starter, but I want to be the best backup. I want to be the best guy for Drew that I possibly create. It's like, hey – 
Listen, you got to play and play well, can be, right, to help him do his job. And I've always said that's, that's the two-pronged approach as backup quarterbacks, right? Ball golf, whether it was in the weight room, when you're called upon. And then you also have to um, support the starter any way you can. And I think that's probably what I did. And we had a lot of good competitions, whether it was football, whether it was planks, whether it was, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we competed at. And so I think that's sort of maybe how I got a little respect and when I say a little, just a little respect from Drew when I first went in. <laughs> Drew, speaking of that, yeah. I, hear, I hear there's a money golf match coming soon, right? Tomorrow morning. We're on the go. course, baby. Let's go. But I, I'd, I'd say this about the backup quarterback. And look, the backup quarterback in so many cases is he's your buffer, right, to sometimes the quarterback coach, the UFC, to the head coach, to other players. Right, um, like he's an extension of you. In many cases, like plenty of times I come back and maybe there was two or three coaching points that I'd have for two or three different guys. I'd be like, "Hey, Chase, we go tell the tight end that like I'm expecting for him to look sooner. Like, tell him to get his head around sooner, right? Because I got to go over here and talk to Michael Thomas or somebody else, right? So he was an extension of you. At times, he was like your psychiatrist. Like you'd come back and be like, "Dude, am I am I freaking going crazy or?" Did you see what I just saw? Like, did you have made that, you know, same decision, right? And sometimes he's like your dual, he's your dual boy, you know? Like, go get my coffee. Go get my, go get my coffee. Dry cleaning. Like, hey, I forgot, I forgot, Car. I forgot my wristband or something in my locker. Run and grab it, <laughs> you know? But also, like, to, to, to Chase's point, too, like, man, there were times. Where, look, I was 10 years older than him, right? And so as I was getting older in my career, it's like a little bit of a connection stick is like, and I got this young pup coming in who can run all day and he's stronger than me and all these things. So like, yeah, I, I compete about against him. And that was part of what pushed me as well. So all those things wrapped into one is you know, the backup quarterback. And I think especially uh, with the Saints in, in a system like ours, we've got some strong personality, Sean Payton and, and others where, you know, Chase becomes an extension of, of you and can become a buffer for you in a lot of cases. So if nothing else, we'll learn from this podcast that the B in backup QB stands for bitch. Just want to make sure we got that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't put it like that, Trey. I mean, that's what, what I'm talking about. Way. I mean, that's, that's just me from you know, a different angle. For the greater good. That's right. For the greater any good, hot fuzz, Any hot fuzz reference is good with me. For the greater good. All right. right. So now let's tell some really good Drew Brees stories because I have a couple of them. And one mm. of them was, you, you probably do not remember this at all. It was your first Pro Bowl after the 2004 season when you made it as a member of the Chargers. And, yeah. you know, obviously your story about when you were drafted and the trade with Michael Vick and all that kind of stuff. And you were the first pick of the second round. Uh, and then they draft Philip Rivers a few years later, and you become a Pro Bowl quarterback. And I went up to you like I'm some sort of hot shit reporter from ESPN. Hey, happy to be here for your first Pro Bowl. And you looked me dead in the eyes and said, I always expected to be here. And yeah. I was like, whoa, my man. Like, Drew, Drew, like, if you're in prison, establish dominance early. Drew established <laughs> dominance early in that interview. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was... I, I I had been I had been uh, I'd been crapped on for like you know three straight years you know early in my career getting benched people tell me I wasn't good enough and all that stuff so 
Man, I had to set the record straight pretty quick. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry if that good. offended you early no, on. No, it was good. I was like, oh. all right, we got a feisty one here. This is, it was, it was yeah. good, but but I love that. Like, That's the thing that sort of propelled you through your entire career, right? Look, man, we. I feel like I always had a chip on my shoulder. Uh, and Chase can attest to this. I know, I know he played with one on his shoulder, too. You know, you could just kind of see if there was something different. Um, and yeah, that's, that certainly motivates you and inspires you. And, you know, it's not, it's not so much about the fact that you're trying to prove people wrong, but it's the fact that I know how good I can be. Like I know what I'm capable of and I'm going to do everything I can to get there and not only get there, but to to a level that maybe nobody ever thought was possible. Chase, how quickly did that rub off on you? Well, speaking of, yeah. I know. I mean, it, it did. I mean, speaking of the chip on the shoulder, I was going to ask, I mean, like, was that always, I mean, it, it, I've known you forever and you're probably the, the closest friend in, in the NFL, but I've never really asked you this straight to your face. Like w- when you, when you injured your shoulder, when I say injured, like completely just blew every brutal. type of ligament out. I mean, brutal. everyone's seen the hit. It's, it was like, honestly, like looking back now, it's harder to watch as you go on yeah. because I, I see how much you did to get back. Like, how were you, was that always your mindset, even at Purdue, getting drafted in the second round, right? Like, because I know a lot of people have chips on their shoulders for being undrafted, but was that always the case, or did something in your shoulder injury lead you to be that way when you were going through the recruiting of Miami and to obviously ended up back to New Orleans? Like, was that always the case, or did it change when that shoulder injury happened? Look, I think there were contributing factors all the way through. Um, even going back to high school, you know, I had a, I had a knee injury my junior year of high school. You know, here I am at Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. You know, major five A high school, right? Very similar big to time, Carroll, big case, time, right? Um, like we were a great program. Not bigger than South Lake, though. What's that? Oh, he's saying his high school program was bigger. <laughs> Just tell me, shut up. Yeah, see, we've stole. We, we had this, this uh, high school football coach, you know, so we can start with. Yeah, Todd Dodge, case. baby. Todd Dodge, the stud. So 1995, here we are, I'm a junior in high school, you know, and, and look, at that point, like, I wasn't even a football player. Like, I, I was a baseball player. I was baseball, basketball, football was third, you know. I played football because I loved it. My buddies played it. But I never thought football would be taking me anywhere. And I hurt my knee in the playoffs my junior year, which tear my ACL and and lateral meniscus. So here I am now, and I'm going to miss the basketball season. I'm going to miss the baseball season. Well, that's my that's your junior year. That's when you get recruited, right? Yeah. So do I not get – if that doesn't happen, if I don't get recruited for basketball baseball, do I end up pursuing football? You know, probably not, right? So you look at this event that happened that I thought was devastating at, the, at that time. It was the toughest thing I had to go through. I always tell people that's when I really learned, like, what hard work was. You know, is, is, is rehabbing back from that injury. And it wasn't even that I was rehabbing back so that I, be, that I, could, so I could become a great football player. It was more so like just to prove it to myself that I could do it, you know? And it was just like stepping stone for me mentally, emotionally, psychologically. Like, man, I can, I can do this. I can overcome this. And once I got to that point, it was like, well, man, I'm 20 pounds heavier. I'm a lot stronger, right? And so did it help me in my football career? Yeah, absolutely. It probably ended up, ended up going to the state championship and gets me recruited to Purdue. Um, so 
Then you go to Purdue, and still at that point, I'm going to walk out the first day, and there's seven quarterbacks, and I'm like, well, at least I'm going to get a great education. You know? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to play a snap, but I'm going to get a great education, right? From the Heidi League, Heidi League in the Midwest. Maybe. But um, I end up getting a chance to start and do that offense, and throw it 50 times a game, and you know, the next thing I know, I'm getting drafted. I mean, I, like all these, all these sequence of events are just like never, never really what I expected. It wasn't until I got in the NFL, it was like, okay, now like, I'm a quarterback. This is my job, and yes, I want to be the best option. And for five years, man, it was ups and downs and struggles with the San Diego Chargers. And just when I thought I had, like, proven myself, finally, right? Like, I've overcome all this stuff, and now I'm going to be the franchise quarterback for the San Diego Chargers forever. And I go down with that injury, and it was like, man, I – I think I, I may never play a football game. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was yeah. a real, that was a real thought. A real And so from that point on for me, I just felt like I was on borrowed time. You know, like every, like every day to go play the game was a, like such a blessing. Um, so I don't know if I would define that like a chip on the shoulder or, it, I mean, did I learn a lot? Did I, yes, it was, but it was like this, gratitude like man i am so blessed to still try to play this game and i need to take full advantage of the opportunity because I, i've been in this position for a reason well you, you borrowed a lot of it after that so nicely done on your part um, yeah yeah so listen we, we, we don't want to keep you too much longer but i do i do want to tell one story here and i want to get your reaction to it because i i'm assuming this was after super bowl 41 you came up to espn for a day and we, we call those the car wash. You do the sports centers, you do NFL Live, yeah. you do all the shows, right? You're there for a whole day, you yeah. do radio, all that kind of stuff. You put in, you made sure when you came to Bristol, Connecticut in the middle of either spring or summer of that year, that you had at least, what, a 30-minute window for you to work out. But not only work out, because the gym at the old ESPN campus was amazing, but to throw yeah. Right, you you wanted to throw, and and you're throwing to 25 year old slobs who sit around and like cut highlights for a living. They all think they're athletes. None of them are. And you're you're out there on the lawn throwing. And I'm like, what are you possibly learning from watching these guys that run a seven six forty throwing them passes? Like, what what was that? It, it, it reminded me of some of the guys I threw from high school, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just got to go back to your roots, you know? Hey, throw, throw a bone to the mailroom guys, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I, I, need, a, I need a set of hands out here. Let's go, you know? <laughs> oh, and I, say, I recommend you put some gloves on. Yeah. But uh, I, I didn't. Like, and again, hey, I love, I love those thing. guys. I'm, I lovingly call them slobs. I'm like, this guy just won the Super yeah. Bowl. Like, just take the gift, man, and take the pain if it hurts you. <laughs> the work never stops. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Drew, one last thing before we let you go. Okay, I got to ask it because Mark Brunel, he's the current yeah. quarterback coach. Detroit Lions. Yeah. Detroit Lions, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I don't know if anyone's living under a rock or anything, but we got the kickoff game coming, right? right? Thursday right. night. We got Lions, Chiefs. Okay, I don't even care about that game. Yeah, we'll get there later. What I do want to ask you, tell me your best, because I have a few of them, but I want to hear from you, your best Mark Brunel story. Well, I think you know what that story is. 
and you know I cannot yeah. sell it. <laughs> you can, you got some other stuff going though. Give it up. All right. Um, okay. Uh, so so we go to London in 2008 to play the Chargers, right? But like, if you recall, like this was kind of the early part of the London series. So we're playing the Chargers, my old team. Like this is a meaningful game to me, right? I think everybody kind of knows that and realizes it. So we travel, we play the Carolina Panthers so that we kind of get to the East Coast so we can jump across the pond. I think the Chargers play the Buffalo Bills and they're going to fly over. Both of us are butts kicked, right? Like butts kicked. Because maybe we got our minds on, you know, flying to London, all the logistics that you got to kind of handle you know, the week before leading up to it and whatever. So when I say like this, the, like leading up to this London game is just crazy for so after the Carolina game, we're getting on the plane. And our punter, Steve Weatherford, gets cut. He literally gets cut on the bus ride to the airport. Oh, well, his back's already on the plane. So he gets off of the bus, gets on a different plane to fly back home, and his bags are flying to London. So now oh, we're in search of a punter. Well, the first three punters we want don't have uh, passports. So now we're scrambling just to find a player who's got a, a stinking passport. Well, the only guy who has one um, is a Aussie Rules punter. Uh, what was it? Ben Graham. Yeah, ben so Graham. we signed this guy, 6'4", yes. like 240 pounds, Ben Graham, Aussie Rules punter, just because he's got a passport, right? So he's going to like show up on, on, on Tuesday to punt for us on Saturday. So on the plane ride over, I remember like, Everybody's drinking. Everybody gets hammered. We got like gambling. We got dudes throwing up on the plane. Like we land in London <laughs> on Monday. It's like, what is going on here? Like we're trying to get ready to play game. Well, we we I think we, we get there. We get to the field. We run around a little bit just to like uh, get the jet light out. And then it's like, okay, Monday night you guys can go and just hang out. So we're like, man, Monday night let's just go blow off some steam. A lot's happened, right? <laughs> on this plane flight and everything. Let's just. Like, get together as a team, kind of come together, you know, and, you know, get this thing going this week. So we end up, we're out on the outskirts of London, we go to this uh, Italian pizza joint. Do you remember? Oh, wait. oh, yeah, you weren't here yet. We go to this I wasn't there pizza yet, no. joint. And That's why I want to hear this. I'm telling you, it's the whole, it's the whole team at this Italian pizza joint, okay? And we're eating, we're having a good time, right? It's like a like big team meal. Well, at the end of this, we're going to do credit card roulette. Oh, yeah. With like 50 dudes. Okay. 50 dudes. God so everybody throws your credit card in, which this is awesome because basically the waiter's pulling them out one at a time. And he's like this authentic Italian dude, doesn't speak very good English. So he's botching everybody's name, like calling the wrong. Like, it's hilarious. Like, we're having a good time. So he gets to the final two names. And the final two names are a practice squad tight end named Buck Ortega, and safety named Kevin Case Bahar. If you remember Kevin Case Bahar, oh, yeah. played a long time for the Bengals and played for us. Yeah. Case Bahar is the most conservative dude ever. He would wear like the same blue sweatshirt every day. He would drive driving the same car since he was like 17 years old, right? Like like a Honda Civic. Like most conservative. He came to this dinner and he had bread and water. <laughs> and here he is like staring down the barrel of like a $10,000 restaurant bill, right? <laughs> and it's either him or practice squad tight end, right? Who's making like 50 grand a year. Oh my God. So 
for a ten thousand dollar bill. So we're like, hey guys, stop, stop, stop. You guys split it. You don't want to split it right now? And they're like, no, let it ride, let it ride, right? So they end up <laughs> pulling out the the, the, the this like, Italian dude pulls out the, the card, and it's like the one name he can pronounce. Bacor Biga. It's crazy. It's awesome. So the, from there we go to this like four story club in London. And again, it's like this whole theme of like, man, we're just going to blow off some steam tonight and then we're going to, so getting back to like the bar for now. So we're here, we're having a good time, we're with the guys, we kind of get separated a little bit. All of a sudden, like this fight breaks out and Brunel and I are kind of like in the middle of it. And we got like, makers are flying and he's like grabbing me and he's like, dude, we have to get out of here. <laughs> so like, we get out of here. All of a sudden, we get mixed up with some other dudes. So we got dudes chasing us down the block, thinking we're responsible. Like, you we weren't responsible at all, right? So, like, we're trying to, like, gather our teammates, figure out who's involved in this. Anyway, we end up getting back to the hotel, wake up the next day, and it's like the day of prep. And I'm like, what is going on? Well, we end up going on, and we win this game against the Chargers, which is a huge win for us. And anyway, that was a very long story to get to. Brunel and I basically almost get jumped in a nightclub getting ready for a 2008 be in quarterback yeah. bodyguard yeah. see uh, there that. we go there we go Jay. nicely done and Mark add that to, the, add that back to, to London since add that to the resume <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that was great well Drew man we appreciate you joining us on our inaugural pod you got any advice for me to deal with this guy for an entire season just just keep that beard you know, nice and trimmed up you know what I'm saying huh Looking good, He's Billy. Guy. I got you, bro. I got he you. does. Trust me. I'll see you tomorrow morning for our little golf. Game. All right. Don't screw it up. Drew, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Drew Brees, everybody. All right. Always great to catch up with Drew. Um, I'm telling you, like, he scared the shit out of me uh, when I did that interview with him at the Pro Bowl. Because I, I thought I was like, hey, I thought I'd catch a jovial dude, you know, like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I'm here. It was almost like he was insulted. He's like, Oh my god! Like it was my that was my first year, by the way, doing the NFL. First year doing the the Pro Bowl, and I was like, "Oh shit, Drew Brees is mad at me already." Not good. Imagine spending five years in a quarterback room with him when everyone's wanting his attention. Think about how that would feel because it was very much the same. Like, what does this guy want? What I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, dude, relax, calm down. All right, so this is why this show's work. We've both been disrespected by Drew Brees. Cool. Okay, very good. All right. Speaking of disrespect, and obviously this next situation plays into it, uh, Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. I don't know if you heard. That might have happened in the offseason. And it's finally Jordan Love's time. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I have almost become a little nauseous about the love affair between the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's almost too much. Like, Hard Knocks should not have been named Hard Knocks uh, this year. It should have been named Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. We all love Aaron. No one else matters. It yeah. just like, yep. it's been a lot. And look, I hope it succeeds for my, all my Jet fans who have been through the crap since Super Bowl three. Again, we're playing for Super Bowl 58. They haven't been since Super Bowl three. okay? Oh but it that, just, that, Chase, it just seems like it's a lot, man. It's a lot right now. Where, where are you is. on how this is going to work? I totally agree. It is a lot. And I'm just, I mean, listen, I, I'm coming right out of playing, right? Play for 14 years. And in the offseason, that's what it is. It's truly offseason where we don't do much. We work out. I don't care about this 
these storylines, but dude, from from March until now, it's like J E T S Jets, 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 and I'm just like, stop. Okay, we get it. You have one of the best <laughs> quarterbacks of all time, and New York yeah. media makes it even worse. Like, I get it. Now, let me just come down off that rant, but also saying. I do think without a doubt that they are going to make a lot of noise this year. Way more noise than the Packers with Jordan Love will be. I'm just going to say it right there. Like, listen, the Jets and what they're doing, and it seems like, I don't know, how do you, how, did, did Aaron Rodgers become this new person after the darkness retreat Apparently. overnight? Completely Apparently. changed. He's, I, I'm, I'm looking at my phone all the time, all these long form quotes to, I mean, I'm like, what in the world? Like, so great. And that's, that's awesome, right? But if yeah. you really look at the team, if you look at the squad, that defense is a top five defense. Robert Sala from the San Francisco 49er days, like, no doubt about it. This dude is, is awesome. Joe Douglas, amazing guy. Okay, Nathaniel Hackett, that's why they brought him in. Aaron Rodgers, he, he, it was one of his, like, hit lists. Like, hey, you got to bring this guy in. You got to bring this. They brought him all in to make him feel comfortable. The only question I have, the only question I have is that offensive line, right? Like he does, he's never been a guy to hold on to the football a lot at all. And I don't think it's going to continue with that. He doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He takes a lot of sacks. And that's great. I do think that learning this offense is going to take some time. But, but I do think come, come January, end of January, February, they're going to be playing in the playoffs. Like there's no yeah. doubt about it. I, there's no doubt. Yeah, uh, look, my perspective is I hope it works, but I thought it would work with Brett Favre, and it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so I have a historical we'll see with the Jets, right? Yeah. That's just yeah. that's that's my default mechanism. So, um, but to your point, it does feel like he's a warmer, kinder, fuzzier, gentler Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you're Packer fans, you're like, where was this guy for the last five Dude, years? Well, you get out of Green Bay in the cold, and maybe you're depressed. A little. I don't know. You know, you go to New York, you got plays, you got the Mets, you got the Yankees. You're going all, you know, it makes them happier. Yeah, I guess. I guess we'll see. But you mentioned Jordan Love, and I do think, obviously, I think there's a better team around Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is clearly one of the top five quarterbacks, in my opinion, of all time. I think he's going to do well. I will say this about Jordan Love. I think the Packers and Love are going to surprise some people. Now, I don't know what that means yet in, in terms of yeah. what I think they're going to be able to accomplish. But the idea that Aaron Rodgers is gone and suddenly the Packers are going to be terrible, I'm not buying that because he's got two really good young receivers in Dobbs and, and Watson who came on like fire toward the last yeah. half of the season. They have a solid running game. I think their defense is okay. And let's be honest, for all the love for Detroit and everything else, that entire division, the NFC North, is up for grabs. And I, I, I think Jordan is, Love is winnable. Is, yeah, yeah. I think Jordan Love is going to surprise a lot of people this year. What What do you think about our realistic expectations for Jordan Love? It's impossible to, to say. And if anyone gives you any answer than that, that has actually watched the film, which I have, and seen what he's been about, he hasn't played. He played in the Philly game last year a few snaps when Rodgers did his ribs or, or whatever, but they just really haven't. When, when the lights are on... Between the two white lines, like there just hasn't been a big sample size. You can think yeah. all you want. Now, what I do think is an interesting point not a lot of people are talking about is when Aaron was there with LaFleur, right, it was Aaron's offense. And LaFleur tried yeah. to get his stuff in. It was Aaron's offense. And, and that Correct. offense is really not that that hard. I mean, it's literally they run dragon line, which is slant flat. And, and if it's not there, he runs around and throws. Like there's a heavy heavy play action program. Uh, uh, but what is interesting to me 
is that LaFleur will have full control of this offense. And you will see yes. um, a, a really different game plan. I think it's going to be heavy play action, short throws to start, over the top with those two speed burners they have outside. They're going to run the football. And this offense is going to look exactly how LaFleur wants it to be because Jordan Love is going to do exactly what LaFleur wants him to, especially being this your first year starter, right? So this offense is going to look... Um, it's going to look good. And, and you go back to the Shanahan days with LaFleur and all the, all the teams he's been on. Like It's been really good, successful offenses, pre-snap motion, shifts, all this things, all this stuff. And it's going to be – I think they're going to put up some points, but I don't know if it's going to be because of Jordan Love or it's going to be because of uh, LaFleur. Right. don't know. Well, listen, I just I, – I, I can't put a number on it, but I just have a feeling that people are going to – and again, the Packers are trying to do something that's never happened twice. Like, you know, the uh, the 49ers went from Joe Montana to Steve Young, right? Uh, we've had, you know, Aaron, Aaron, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. We've had great quarterback transitions in the NFL. No one's ever done it twice in a row. From, yeah. you know, from Favre to Rodgers to Love, that would be something. If he's, a, if he's a franchise quarterback like that, something we've never seen before. So we'll see yeah. what happens there. Jordan is not a rookie, although it feels like he's a rookie, even though he's been around for... A, by the way, the same number of seasons he had to sit uh, before he took over that Aaron had to sit when he took over from Brett Favre, which is just this weirdly symmetrical thing. But we do have a bunch of starting quarterbacks uh, in the NFL this year that are going to be rookies. And I want to get your opinion on the top three guys. And we're talking, obviously, about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson. Here's my opinion. I am terrified for all of them, okay, for, for different reasons, for different yeah. reasons. One... Uh, Anthony is going into a Colts team that has no idea what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're, to me, hey, call me crazy. Jonathan Taylor would be a really good thing to have for a rookie quarterback oh. who only had 13 starts uh, in college. That would be a really good thing to have. I, I, to me, there's not a bigger boom or bust or higher ceiling or lower floor player in this year's draft than Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, when, when you talk about Anthony Richardson – it's one of those things like, hey, he didn't play a lot at Florida. He's a freakish athlete. He's got a bazooka for an arm, can throw it 80 yards in the air specifically. Okay, that's great. When have you ever used that in the game? I don't know. Whatever. But he um, – I was really excited to see Jonathan Taylor and how he would help that offense and help that young quarterback because truly like everyone says it, you might not agree, but I will tell you, it's a fact that a run game, especially helps a rookie quarterback. Just no it's going to take a rookie quarterback some yeah. time to get his feet under him. He's going to make mistakes. You can't be asking him to can, can kill, kill change plays to this. I mean, I just don't see that happening. What I do think you're going to see though uh, is you're going to see Steichen run exactly what they ran in Philly with Jalen Hurts. And I do yeah. think the quarterback run game is going to be excellent. Okay, And so that, that to me is, is, is great. But if you rank the rookie quarterbacks, to me, he's the third. He's the third. Yeah. And it's just too much of the unknown. Like, I need some tape. I need three or four games of tape on it. He might go out and surprise people. I don't think so without Jonathan Taylor. Then you look at C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud's my number two. Okay, and I had a hard time going between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud right here. Who was two? Who was my top-ranked rookie quarterback? I went C.J. Stroud at two, um, but I love the offense that they run. Right, like like it in is, Houston. 
Yes, in Houston, it is excellent, and 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 that comes. Okay, okay. What, what about it? What what about it? Do you like so much? Because that's interesting to me. Because the Texans, you know, since the twenty four nothing meltdown in the Chiefs in the divisional game after the twenty nineteen postseason, the Texans have done. You know, they've been terrible. So, yeah. what it is about that offense that you like so much for CJ Stroud? This the scheme, the scheme, the yeah. scheme of the offense with CJ Stroud. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you look you look at what San Fran run these past few years. It's the same guy running it. Shane Day, who was our quarterbacks coach, is now um, offensive run game coordinator or pass game coordinator there. I was with him for the past few years, and he he installed some of that offense in the Chargers offense. And, and why I say the scheme is so good, it really masks the quarterback. It does. It masks the quarterback. Hey, listen, we're going to get guys so insanely wide open that you can't miss them, right? We're going to run the ball. We're going to shift. We're going to motion. We're going to do all these things, right, to mask it. But they're going to get some easy completions for them. They're not going to say, hey, we need you to throw it 40 times to win. I don't think any of these guys are. I really don't. Yeah. But the offense and the scheme schematically like, is, is really, really good. All right. So then we go to Bryce Young. And I want to be clear. If you just go on the way he approaches the game and the results you saw in college, Bryce Young should be a massive hit in the NFL, right? But he's so small. Like, Chase, you, you were considered an undersized guy. You look like Bryce's big brother, okay? Yeah. And this has nothing to do with his ability. I want to be clear. Yeah. I'm just concerned that a guy who – he's not – forget the height thing, okay? I, the height thing doesn't bother me. His frame is so slender. I just, yeah. it, it scares yeah. me. It scares me. He looks fragile out there. He does. He yeah. does. And it, and it scares me too because, you know, he put on all this weight for the combine. He put on all this weight for the senior bowl so his measurements were good. I think he measured it at 200 pounds maybe. I'm telling yeah. you, he's 185 pounds, maybe 185 yeah. pounds. But what, I did break him down a lot for NFL Network um, last year in the draft. And what I did see, which was, May ease your pain a little bit uh, with him is he really never took big hits. Like he was out of the pocket yeah. running. Like he has that, and I don't want to say he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he has that Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson feel to where you're just so slippery and you're moving left and right and you just never really take a big hit. Now, if he takes a big hit, oh boy, oh yeah. boy. You know, that, it's, it's yeah, going to be tough. That's my concern. Yeah. I mean, like we, we've gone through this sort of phase where we're not worried about drafting small quarterbacks in the first round with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield's on his fourth team. And we don't know. Kyler Murray got the bag, but we still don't know what Kyler Murray's going to be. So, no, uh, you know, I think, I think we've gotten to the point where we're okay drafting small quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with making them my franchise quarterback after I draft them. So the, the, oh. I, I, don't, I don't see that playing out yet the way it's I supposed agree. to be. So, so we'll see what happens with those guys. All right, now let's just go through some... Every, every show does this, so we might as well be, fall victim. And it's the only time we'll ever be boring and be like everybody else. Let's make predictions. Uh, MVP for this upcoming season. Where do you go? Joe Burrow. Come on, baby. Ooh. It ain't going to be Patrick Mahomes this year. It's going to be Joe Burrow. If he can get on the field and stay healthy, I really think and I really love what... Since he has done around him that revamped offensive line, they struggled a little bit last year, even with the big money ticket, free agents, all that stuff. Yeah. Probably, in my mind, the best three receivers on the same team of any team in the NFL. So he's got the weapons, just got to stay healthy. Yeah, he does. And we'll see how that calf, calf strains can linger. So you see how that, uh, how that plays out. Look, you said Patrick Mahomes won't win it. 
Every year that Patrick Mahomes steps on the field, I start with him and I work my way down. Just the way it goes, man. Okay, yep. You yep. lose the most explosive wide receiver in football, not named Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill. And he throws for 5,000 passing yards, leads the league in passing yards, leads the league in passing touchdowns, and sets a single-season record for most combined yards in one season in NFL history. I'm always going to start with Patrick Holmes. It's like yeah. default. Hey, reboot your computer to its, its base settings. My base setting says 15 as long as he's taking a snap. So I will always go, go with there. the odds. I don't think he's going to win it. Come on. That was such an easy pick. Like, I could have picked it. Like, of course he's going to put up. You could have. You could have. And I respect that you did. Joe Burrow, to me, is the second best quarterback in football. But I'm I'm defaulting with 15 forever. Uh, rookie of the year. Who do you like? Rookie of the year. Who do you like? Offensive rookie of the year, B. John Robinson, man. I'm excited yeah, about I him. Love that. I, I love that pick. Texas. And I love the pick for multiple reasons. You don't necessarily see a running back pick that high in most drafts, right? But what he did and what I saw in training camp and even preseason was, man, they can actually use him like lined up in the slot. Like he's running these like Lucy routes, which is like a quick little slant or an out route option. He looks good. I'm not going to say he looks like Alvin Kamara good because it's different. But, man, he looks good in the slot uh, without a doubt. All right. Listen, I can't disagree with you. Like, I, I don't know what Desmond Ritter's going to be as the quarterback for the Falcons, but he's got his best opportunity to be good with Bijan Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Drake London, and Kyle Kyle Pitts. They have surrounded this kid with talent, and Bijan Robinson, I think, is going to be, uh, I think, he's going to be a, just a fantastic player. I'm not sure I'd give him a second contract. We'll see what happens, running backs. But I absolutely like what he can do yeah. under Arthur Smith because Arthur Smith, yeah. before he came. To Atlanta was a really good, a creative mind in Tennessee. What about defensive rookie of the year? Will Anderson Jr. To me, that's the yeah. no-brainer. He's going to get a lot of play. He's a starter already. He's going to rush the quarterback. He's disruptive. He's, he's everything you want from, from that pick. And I just think that, uh, I mean, I was thinking back and forth, like, do I want to go one of the corners? Do I want to go, like, who would, and no. I just ended back up on Will Anderson. I love that defensive scheme. That whole defensive scheme is how fast can you get to the quarterback? We don't care about screens or draws. So the dude is going to put up numbers, I think. Wow. Houston loves you. You're all in on C.J. Stroud, and you are all in on Will Anderson. Chase Daniel, if this pod fails, will be running for mayor of Houston. That much I can guarantee. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that all plays out. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm, you, you convinced me. I was going to go somewhere else. Screw it. I'm going Will Anderson Jr. as well. Um, there you, you go. You, you sold me. With a caveat that if Jalen Carter can get his bleep together on that Eagles defense— I really like his chances, too. I'll throw that one out there. Okay, listen, we, we said nothing is out of bounds on this show, right? And I just, I have to do this. Um, I saw this, you posted this at the end of last month. I'm reading a tweet from Chase Daniel on X, formerly known as Twitter. It'll always be Twitter. It's not freaking X. That's Twitter. Des Bryant. It's Twitter. All right, That's it's Twitter. Twitter. Here's Chase Daniel. My top five waters by taste. One, essential water, parentheses, it's not even close. Two, Mountain Valley water. Three, Penta water. Four, at core drinks. Five, liquid death. And then after the list, my man adds with five Ds. And if you tell me that water doesn't have taste, don't even at me. What in the hell, man? I'm just saying. What in the hell? 
You you are I mean look you are just a, first of all you're a hater okay second of all <laughs> waters absolutely have taste and don't ever drink Aquafina because it's just a runoff water that they make Coke with oh my goodness. unless unless of course Aquafina is sponsoring the pod then we love them we love Aquafina too yeah absolutely. what am I talking about yeah but no look look Essentia Essentia you don't even know how to say it. Essentia is like the nectar of the gods like it is pH perfectly based. They're excellent. They've always been really nice to me. They actually, they sponsor me, but that's not the reason why I said that is because sure, they are the absolute best. And honestly, like, I didn't even know, like, when you told me that you didn't think that any water has taste, you were, you were batshit crazy, dude. You were batshit crazy. Yeah. I don't know if oh, I can do it. That's, a, that's, I, I that's fine. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't that. do a podcast with anyone that doesn't think that waters don't taste a certain way. I, Okay, here's, uh, and let me amend that, okay? Because I will agree with you that certain waters taste differently. But I think that You're for the most it. part, You're hold admitting on, hold it. On. Hold on. I think for the most part, that's because they want you to think they taste differently, okay? Oh. Like there's an old Penn and Teller sketch they did years ago on HBO. <laughs> and they, they basically, it was a, they had, you know, you, when you go to get a fine wine, at a restaurant, they, they have someone that's called a sommelier. And they present the wine to you and they tell you, well, this wine is from this vintage and it has sort of an oaky tannin taste. This one has more of a fruity aftertaste. You might find a hint of strawberry in there, all this kind of stuff. So this, this completely bougie upscale restaurant in LA had a fake water sommelier, okay? So he would bring out these bottles of water. This is from the glacial region just south of the Galapagos. <laughs> it has this crisp, clear taste to it. I want to taste that. Oh, yeah. I, it tastes wonderful. This one now is from the, uh, the, the Napoli region of Italy. And it has more of a, an earthen, hearty flavor to it. And they would sip it. And they'd be like, oh, this is, yeah, it's very different. And then they cut to the uh, backstage. They're taking water from a hose outside the back of the restaurant <laughs> and filling up different bottles and just telling these people what to think. So yes, I will concede that on some level, some waters may taste a little differently based on where they're coming from, but they're also selling you something, man. P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute and your water take is just a, another <laughs> affirmation that that guy had it right about 150 years ago. So, so pretty much you're just telling me I'm a marketing snob. I'm just following ploy to all their ideals. You know, I thought, I thought you were a down-to-earth Texas kid, you know, <laughs> Midland, Mizzou, Chase Daniel, oh, as God. bougie as they come, baby. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm a little bougie, especially with water. I'll, 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 I'll take that. I'll take that. All right. So we, we And again... Fire away in the comments on on the uh, on the on the pod. We'll get your reactions to water and everything else. The beginning of what we think is a beautiful relationship. We're chasing it all season long. Always good to talk to you, man. We'll catch you next week. 